Uh, my name is David Soren. I am the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. You know, not that long ago, I read a study where they went around the world and they asked moms what they most wanted for their children. And they found when they went to Israel that moms most wanted their children to be obedient. In Asia, they found that most mothers wanted their children to be successful. And in America, they found that most mothers just wanted their children to be... (laughs) That's incredible. Yes, you are so American. Look at you. Uh, We just know that, right? That's part of our culture. And for a lot of us, we've spent our whole life trying to make mom proud by being happy. But it's easier said than done. Like, how fast does happiness just seem to slip through our fingers? We have this moment where we think we're going to be happy, and then it's just gone. Like, how many of you have even been kind of fantasizing, dreaming about what Christmas morning is going to be like in a couple days, right? Especially if you have kids or grandkids, and you've maybe even been picturing them just ripping open the wrapping paper and opening their presents, and then in your mind, they're going to run to you and say, you are the best ever. Thank you. I love you so much. Right? Well, welcome to reality. Actually, in reality, they're going to say, like, this isn't even the right one. (laughs) Or they're going to play with it for like an hour, and they're going to say, I'm bored. And that's happiness. It's here, and it's gone. I think that happiness would be easy to achieve if everyone else would just cooperate, right? (laughs) That's just part of the difficulty. It's like you could be happy, but you're married. And there's more to the sentence. And... (laughs) For some reason, why are you laughing? For some reason, your spouse just won't seem to cooperate just like you want them to. Or you could be happy, but your kids just don't do everything that you say. I think one of the problems with us as Americans is we have this thing where we just keep kicking this can down the road telling ourselves that we will be happy as soon as. You ever done this? Like, I'll be happy as soon as I get out of my parents' house. I'll be happy as soon as I get promoted, as soon as I get married, as soon as I can actually have kids, as soon as I can retire, and we just keep kicking it down. But have you ever actually, is there anyone in this room that has gotten to one of those things and said, and now I have arrived, (laughs) and happiness isn't going anywhere. It just doesn't work like that, right? Because we can't control the other things around us. It's like you may get married and maybe you have a beautiful wedding and then you find out three weeks later that you lost your job. Or you finally make it to retirement only to have your spouse get cancer. There's just so much that we can't control. Happiness just seems to slip through our fingers. And I think that happens for a lot of people because the majority of Americans, for them, their happiness is based on their happenings. It's based on their circumstances. But what if you could base your joy on something entirely different? What if you could base it on something that won't fade away? Well, you can. And that good news actually comes from what we call God's Word, from the Bible. In fact, let's take a look at it. So uh, there's a Bible. I want you all to grab one. There's a Bible under the chair in front of you. If you're in the front row, there's a little neat little basket there for you can grab it from. Uh, It's an incentive to sit in the front row, I guess. Um, If you want to find the passage that we're on, we're going to be on page 699 today. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, if you've never actually read the Bible for yourself, this is our Christmas gift to you. I'd love for you to take this Bible home with you and actually read it yourself. You know, I read the Bible for myself for the first time when I was 18 years old. It was so different than what I thought it would be, and it radically changed my life. So if you've never actually read it, 
take it home. There's even in the front cover there, there's a little reading plan that tells you how to start with the easiest books in the Bible. I'd love for you to actually take that with you when you head out today. So we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 2. Luke is one of four books in the Bible about the life and teachings of Jesus. And as you heard earlier in the service, Angie over here actually read the first seven verses of this chapter, and we're going to continue on at verse eight. So you look for the big number two, that's chapter two, and then the little number eight, that's going to be of verse eight. And we're going to see what happened outside of Bethlehem at this time. So here's what it says. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, that's a a fancy name for Bethlehem, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And that was a special sign, because when they get their babies, don't usually lie in mangers, and so they could know that, okay, the word of the Lord is, is true here. Okay, if we're going to understand what I think is really the most important truths of this passage, we actually together have to do some unlearning first about this story. Because when we read about the shepherds from this story, the problem is, most of you are thinking of this. This is what you had in your mind. You thought, oh, I love shepherds. They are so cute. And they've got their little curved staff, and they love cuddly sheep. This is incredible, right? But the truth is, why is a shepherd doing like a Jedi mind trick, by the way? What in the world? (laughs) The truth is, shepherds in ancient Israel were the lowest of the low. A shepherding was actually the lowest form of unskilled labor that was available at the time. And so shepherds were dirty, they were smelly. The locals even thought they were untrustworthy. Did you know if you were a shepherd in ancient Israel, you couldn't even give testimony in court? That's how low of a citizen shepherds were. And so that's who we're talking about when we read this story about how the shepherds were watching their flocks by night on that Christmas outside of Bethlehem. And this all kind of begs a really interesting question. So you think about it. God decides he's going to send an angel to bring what really is probably the most important bit of news the world has ever heard at that point, right? And he can choose to bring it to anyone, anywhere on earth. So why these guys? You ever thought about that? Like, why not King Herod nearby? Or why not, like, the emperor in Rome? Or or even like the high priest in Jerusalem. Why the shepherds? It's a great question. Now, Jesus himself, in part, begins to sort of answer that sort of question as he gets older. And he teaches a lot about the fact that it's actually quite hard for the rich, for the powerful, for the successful to hear from God. See, if God sends his angel to Caesar in Rome... Caesar is so full of himself that he's not interested in God's agenda, unless maybe he could co-opt it for his own success. And as we find out later in the Bible, the high priest in Jerusalem, he's so full of pride that he's never going to stoop so low to go look for a baby in a dirty manger. But who would? Well, the shepherds would. And so they get to hear God's message. 
And I think this is such an important teaching for us today. Here's really the first thing that I, I want us to learn from this passage. So if we want to hear the good news of great joy from God, we must, number one, humble ourselves like a shepherd. Because God's good news comes to those who have the humility to hear it. You want to hear more from God in your life? We've got to bring humility to it. God's good news, it comes to those who see themselves like a shepherd. Those who know that they don't know everything. You know that you're not really in control. That your whole life isn't put together perfectly. See, on the opposite end, the wise and the powerful, they don't want to hear what God has to say because, quite frankly, they just don't think that they need to. And by the way, I'm not just talking about uh, the politicians and the CEOs and philosophers and authors. I'm talking about us as just regular Americans. You think about this. We think that our own way of living is so right. I mean, how many people do you know that are just like, you know what, the way I'm living is just totally wrong? You don't, right? Most of us are like, I am so right. We think that our way of living is so right that, think about this, the vast, vast majority of Americans have never even taken the time to sit down and read through the New Testament in the Bible to see what Jesus, the Son of God, had to say. Okay, if you step back from that, like, how crazy is that? The Son of God came to earth, delivered an incredibly important message to humanity, and most of us are like, you know, and I don't really have, know if I've got time to check that out. I'm like, why would we do that? We do that because, well, quite honestly, we think, I'm not sure that I even need to know. Because I'm probably living my life right. And see, it's in that way that we're not actually all that different from Caesar or some other king of the past who lived in those days and missed the message of God because, quite frankly, they thought that they didn't really need it. But hear me, if you want to see God, you want to see God move in your life, you've got to think of yourself more like a shepherd than like royalty because that's who actually gets the message in the story, right? It's the shepherds. And so to understand and hear this good news of great joy, uh, we've got to humble ourselves. So number one, here's the first thing. We humble ourselves like a shepherd. And then here's the second point. If you want to hear from God, you want God moving in your life, you've got to be brave enough to let God's holy light shine on you. Here's what I mean. So look at verse 9 again if you still have the passage open. Here's what it says. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Okay, there's more unlearning to be done here because, again, we're picturing this scene all wrong. I say angel, and this is what you picture, right? You saw this. You thought, oh, I love angels. And you're picturing yourself as a shepherd in the scene. You're going, you know what? If I were there, I would say, oh, hello, angel. Do you have a message for me? Come over here. What does it say? It says they were scared out of their minds, right? They're terrified. The angel literally has to calm them down and say, don't be afraid. So picture the scene. It's dark, right? It's at night. And then an angel appears out of nowhere and starts talking. And then, what does it say? It, it, I think a lot of us miss this when we're picturing the scene. We just picture them kind of on the hillside and an angel in the distance. What does it say? It says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
And so you got to picture it differently. Essentially, they're like enveloped, surrounded in this holy light, and they are terrified. Now, this is kind of counterintuitive, right? Because normally, as humans, we're afraid of the dark, right? Not the light. But this is no normal light. What is it? It says, it's the glory of God. And see, when God's light shines on you, and you actually begin to see yourself in God's light, through his eyes, through his standards, through his perfection, and it becomes very, very quickly apparent that you are not perfect, and that you haven't led a perfect life. In fact, you've, you've hurt people, you've messed up, you've sinned, even against God himself. The temptation in that moment is to be very afraid. In fact, it's probably just to run, to get out of there. It takes great courage to stay in the light and listen to the message like the shepherds did. In fact, you see this exact tension a number of places in the Bible. Uh, One of them is the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. He gets a vision of the glory of God. And after he sees the vision, he doesn't say, oh, that was neat. No, actually he says, woe to me, I am ruined. Or the disciple Peter When he first sees the glory of God, he sees firsthand Jesus do a miracle right in front of him. You know what Peter says to Jesus? He says, go away from me, Lord. What? And then he says, I am a sinful man. That light shines on him and he feels his sin, his inadequacy. You know what Jesus says back to him? This is really interesting. He actually says the same words the angels the angel says to the shepherds, he says, don't be afraid. In other words, okay, have the courage to sit in that moment and hear the message. Be brave. See, if you're truly going to hear what God has to say to you, you have to be humble like a shepherd to hear it. But you've also got to be brave enough to stand in his holy light. And that's not an easy thing. I heard... Uh, Author and Pastor Timothy Keller explained it this way once. I think this is helpful. He said, imagine that you got offered a job that you were completely unqualified for. Like, let's say it's maybe in the same field, but it's three promotions higher than you are right now. And it's amazing, but you're just so unqualified for it. But you know, it's, it's, it's really good money, and your family would be really proud, and society would be really impressed, and so you take the job. Now, as you started working this job, what would you feel like as you went to work every day? My guess is that you would be constantly anxious about being found out. Uh, You'd probably also be really defensive. You would be frightened by any sort of criticism and probably just frustrated that you can't get things to work out like you want them to work out. And actually, another thing you could add to it is if someone came near you who was actually qualified to do that job that you were doing, you would do everything you could to try and avoid that person. And see, Keller says this is actually a really good description of our own lives. Because the truth is, we're not qualified to run our own lives. We'd like to, but we're not qualified. And see, because deep, deep inside of us, we know that we're not made to run our lives, we often have a lot of anxiety about how our life is going. 
we're often really sensitive and frightened by any criticism of how we're running our life. And often for a lot of people, the last person that they want to get close to them is God. Because he's the one who's actually qualified to run their life. And they think, well, if I let him get close, what would he see? And what would he say? But if you can humble yourself, like the shepherds, and you can be brave enough to stand in the light for just a second to hear his message, I promise you, it is good news of great joy. So what does the angel actually say when he speaks? That's verse 11. Look at verse 11. This is from God's word. He says, Today, in the town of David, a Savior, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. It's like the king who comes to rescue. The Lord. That means he's God. He's the son of God. So look at this. It doesn't say, today in the town of David, a teacher has been born. It doesn't say, a great life coach who can help you with your New Year's resolutions has been born. Right? And if that's how you think of Jesus, and a lot of people do, that's not really who Jesus is. You know, that's like, that's like saying the Queen of England is a really good cook. She may be. She's been around for a long time. I'm sure she learned how to cook, right? But that's not the best way to describe her. She's the queen. And Jesus, most importantly, is the Savior. And why do we need a Savior? Why do we need one? Okay, well, this is the teaching of the Bible. And again, I encourage you to read it for yourself, to actually just look into it, see what it says. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us in this room, myself included, we've fallen way short of God's perfect standards. We've sinned, we've hurt people, we've sinned against God himself, we've broken his commandments. And if we would stop our busy lives for a moment, which we're not all that good at, and we would measure ourselves against God's holy standards, not our standards, God's holy standards, we'd see that we sin. And then we're not good enough on our own. And the Bible says there are consequences for our sin. Romans 6.23, right out of God's word, it says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the wages, remember wages are like what you get as a result of something. So it's saying what we get, the result of our sin against God is death. And when the Bible says death, it means separation from God for all of eternity in hell. Because God is a just God. God doesn't look at the injustice of the world and go, oh, you know what, I don't really care about that. He is holy and he is just and we have sinned against him and what we deserve for our sin is punishment. Now time out. Because you hear that and this is where we want to run, right? And if you're not used to hearing that, you're going, I don't, boy, I don't even know if I like hearing that. Because the light is shining on us. We just want to get out, Right? But remember the lesson from the Christmas shepherds. Let me put it on the screen for you again. What do we learn? We sit, if we want to hear it, we sit in humility and we say, you know what, maybe I don't have everything all together. And in our courage and our bravery, we sit, and we, we sit in God's light to just let God speak into our lives. Because here's the rest of the message and here's where it's beautiful. Yeah, we are sinners. And God is just. But God is also loving. 
The greatest verse in the Bible, maybe John 3.16, says this. It says, for God so loved the world. That's you. He loves you. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. I mean, it's not suffer eternity in hell. But have eternal life. So yeah, I've sinned against God. I deserve to be separated from this holy God. But he loves us. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to earth on Christmas to grow up so that one day he could die on a cross for you, in your place, for your sin, as your Savior. That's what it means when it says he's coming as a Savior. That's the good news. See, this is the primary teaching of the Bible. If you hear one thing today, please hear this. If you put your faith in Jesus, that he died for you in your place, you believe in him, God then takes the punishment that was meant for you and he puts it onto his son Jesus on the cross so that when he looks at you, your sin is off you and you are now not guilty in his eyes. You are forgiven. Jesus has taken your punishment for you. And that happens, the Bible teaches, not when you get your life together. Because a lot of people think that, you know, and if I get enough good to outdo my bad, and I stop doing this, this, and this, and then maybe I'll go to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. It teaches the exact opposite of that. It's not through your good deeds. It's through your faith that Jesus took your sin for you that we are forgiven. It's when we say, Lord, I believe that you died for me, and so I want to live for you. I want you to be my leader, you to be my savior. And when you do that, he forgives you. You can know him personally. You can have a relationship with him and you can spend eternity in heaven with him. But I want you to hear me on something because there are probably a number of people in this room that are missing out on this good news. But it maybe isn't intellectually shocking for you like, okay, I know, you know, Jesus comes, he died on the cross. But it's just a whole nother thing to receive this truth into your life. Right? Because it's actually really hard to humble yourself like a shepherd and admit that you need God. Isn't it? I think it's just really hard to admit that you're not qualified to be the leader of your life and run your life. That's hard. And I think it's harder yet to let God's life actually shine on your life. To realistically and truthfully look at your life and say, you know what? I am a sinner. And that means that I need a Savior. That's really hard. But without a Savior, we will be separated from God for all of eternity. So don't run from the good news just because it's hard. This is the truth of the Bible that so many people run for, but when you, you run from, but when you look at it, it is beautiful. We, we explain it often this way. I'll put it on the screen for you. This is God's word to you. This is so true. You are far more sinful than you ever dared to even imagine, and yet far more loved than you ever dared to hope. That's the truth of the Bible. That, yeah, you know what? God's seen your whole life. Your neighbors and maybe some of your family members think that you're just awesome, but inside you're going, I, it's messy. There's some stuff people don't even know about. But you know who knows about it? God. You know who still loves you? God. 
That's amazing, right? That's the truth. His love is so, so deep for you. And so I think this Christmas, the question is this. The angel comes and says, a Savior is coming. And the question for every single person in this room is, who is your Savior? Who is it that runs your life? Is it you or is it Jesus Christ? Who's your Savior? Who's your leader? Because the good news is he can forgive you. And you can have him in your life. And that is what gives you the great joy that he's talking about. Because right? I don't then have to base my happiness on my circumstances. I can base my happiness, my joy, on the fact that there is a God who has seen all of my messes and all of my life, and he still loves me, and he's with me every day, and he cares for me. And that's a joy that never fades away. And so if you've never made a decision before to make Jesus Christ your Savior, to say, I believe you died in my place. Please forgive me. I want to make you my leader of my life. Here's my life. If you've never done that before, you can do that today, and he will come into your life. It's amazing. And change it and forgive you just through your faith. It's a decision you make. Have you made that decision? Truly. Do you know about Jesus? A lot of people know about Jesus, but is he your savior and leader? And if you've never made that decision, I want to give you an opportunity to make that today at a Christmas service. So let's do this. Just for a minute, would you just, would everybody in the room just close their eyes? And we just bow your head. If I'm talking to you and you never made this decision and something in your heart is going, I got, I got to turn my life over to God. I need to be forgiven. How else am I going to be forgiven? And you need to surrender your life to him and let him come in. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Have a sort of a, a draw the line in the sand moment today where God will come into your life and forgive you because he loves you so much and he so desperately wants you to just throw your hands up and surrender and let him come in and love you and lead your life. And if you need to do that today, what I want you to do, just as everybody has their eyes closed, so don't even think about that, but as a way to kind of mark this moment in your life and to receive him in, what I want you to do is just to quietly stand up where you're at and let God forgive you as a way to say, yeah, that's me, God. I want you to be my Savior. Forgive me. If that's you, would you just stand where you're at right now and let God forgive you? Go ahead. Anyone here where you just, you know you just need Jesus to forgive you, to get right with God, this is the great truth. You've sinned against him. Nothing will forgive you except your faith in him. Anyone who needs to make that profession of faith, say, yes, God, it's me. I'll give you another 10 seconds or so. If that's you and you need that in your life, would you just stand up where you're at? Anyone here? All right, I don't see anyone in this service. You can open your eyes. Let me just tell you two things. One, for the people who go to this church, I'll tell you, we had such a powerful salvation here just an hour ago in the first service of a woman who was invited by a coworker several times and finally came today and surrendered her life to Christ. So amazing. Such a cool thing for that person who just faithfully for years 
invited their friend and got to see just God do some cool stuff in their life. And secondly, if, you, if you're here and you're kind of hearing this message for the first time, that the way that you have a relationship with God, the way that you know God isn't just by being a good enough person, and it's by giving your life to Jesus Christ, believing that he died for you, you, you don't have to be in a church to make that decision. If you're going, ah, oh, just on the fence, I just didn't know if I could stand, you could tonight by the side of your bed get down on your knees and just say, Lord, I believe you died for me. I want you to lead my life. And we have many people in this church over the years that have done that, and God's come in and done amazing things. So I just want you to know that offer is always in front of you, and God just loves you so much, okay? All right, let me pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for just what you're doing in the space. We thank you that you, you knew that we would sin against you. You know that we're rebellious people, that we're imperfect. And still you came to this earth, to this dirty, sometimes messed up world, full of wars and sin and just a mess. But you came to save us. And we just celebrate that today. We celebrate that holy night, that amazing time when you came to our home. And we just love you for that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.